0: There we go. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, let me get everything connected here, real quick. I want that one. There we go. Good morning. How is everybody today? Good. I'm gonna take stuff out of my pockets because I don't like having stuff in my pockets. I don't. Hold yeah, I, I, I didn't bring. I didn't bring my wallet. <laughs> that's a. That's. Yeah, I didn't bring my wallet. My dad's taking me out to lunch, and we're going to lunch afterwards. So I had to forget my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you brought yours there. You can come too. Anyways, good morning, everyone. Um, my name's Nick. I'm one of the pastors here. I serve alongside. Pastor Tony and Pastor Chris, who was out sick today, Um, and uh, yeah, you guys are stuck with me today. We got kids in here, so kids, I'll try and make it uh, interesting for you. The gospel is uh, very interesting in and of itself, but uh, we can be boring preachers, so I'll try and uh, keep you guys interested. So, Um, so we're in the Book of Mark, the Gospel according to Mark, and it is jam-packed with action. If like so far. We're only uh, going to be we've only covered through verses 13, and we've had a lot going on already. We've learned about who John the Baptist is and, and why he's important to the gospel message and what his purpose was. And he came with this message of what? do you guys remember? Well, not you, you're a pastor. <laughs> a message of what? Repentance. Repentance. OK. So he comes with this message of repentance and forgiveness, baptizing in repentance and forgiveness, and he, his purpose was to come and prepare the way of the Lord. And when we talked about John the Baptist, we talked about how when there was, a, you know, prestigious people coming, and the, the emperor was coming into the town or city, there was somebody sent before him to prepare the way of, the, of who was coming, right? They would make sure the road was nice and straight, or, or no bumps, and, and the the... the emperor wasn't going to spill anything on him. They were there to prepare the way of the Lord or for the, the, the person. And John was doing that for Jesus. He was coming to like do the groundwork, to get things ready, to get people's hearts ready for the coming Messiah, right? And so then Jesus comes bursting into the scene and we're, we're, we pick up in Mark at his baptism. There's some, that's, there's some in between there, but we pick up at his baptism. The heavens are torn open and God speaks audibly. This is my son, my beloved, whom I'm well pleased with. And he affirms that Jesus is his son. Right? You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. So we got, we got just like so much in that first little bit already. And after that baptism, Jesus is driven out into the desert, tempted by Satan for 40 days. And it says while he was out there, that the angels were ministering to him. And he was out there in the desert for 40 days. So we've got like just jam-packed full of action so far in the gospel, according to Mark, in these few verses. And so today we're going to jump into verses 14 and 15. And I just want to share with you guys when we decided a few months ago when uh, as a pastoral team, we we sat in some prayer and talked about what we're going to preach after Jonah, and we decided on the gospel of Mark, um, I bought me a commentary and I started studying the gospel of Mark. And I decided I was going to do some scripture memorization while I was doing that. And as I was going through the first chapter and something that just jumped out at me, I thought, I'm going to memorize that. So I got me a nice little notebook, and I started writing it down over and over and over until I had it memorized. Well, when I was doing that months ago, uh, it was these verses, Mark 1, 14, and 15. And so when we laid out our schedule afterwards, I was like, oh, that's cool. Those are the verses I Was like that I worked on memorizing. So then obviously I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you trying to say? Right, there's some significance, and what is he trying to, you know, get out of me other than it was just like, oh, these are cool verses, I'm going to memorize them. So we're going to dive into that today, and and, uh, I often tell you guys, uh, when I preach, I have you guys in mind, but so much of this too, I have to preach to myself. So let's read uh, 14 and 15. Do I got it up? Do I got control? Oh, that's not what I want. I want that one. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for today. I thank you, God, for how you work things together, Lord, that this was something that, that you said on my heart months ago before I even knew I was going to be up here preaching on it, Lord. And I just pray that you would speak in and through me, that your Holy Spirit would fill me up, that you would push me to the side, and that your word would be spoken, God. And that from here, that it wouldn't be just that, that they take my word for, you, for it, God. The people here would feel compelled to go home and read your word and dive into your word to know more about you and dive deeper into that relationship with you, God. I thank you for this opportunity and privilege to be up here preaching and teaching your word, God. And I say these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, amen, Milo, huh? So if you've got... I've got an ESV Bible. I don't know if you guys, everybody here has ESV Bibles. Um, If you've got your scripture journal, that is an ESV Bible. But the headline before these verses probably says... The Beginning of Jesus' Ministry. Right? Anybody? Yes? No? If they've got that, yes? And and that's the title for these first few verses. And and in leading up, like, this is the beginning. This is what they call the beginning of Jesus' ministry. But something, like, already pretty spectacular has happened before this. Does anybody know what has happened before Jesus' ministry begins? Any ideas? Well, well, before that, it was still something pretty awesome. It had to do with a wedding. Yeah, so the wedding at Cana happened before this. But this is marked as the beginning of Jesus' ministry, right? That was Jesus' first miracle. We stuff. you throwing notes at me? Am I supposed to read them? Oh, dang, thanks, Quinn. Does it say something nice? Oh, thank you. So, whose <laughs> kids are those? Jeez. <laughs> I'm going to use that as bookmark, Kay Quinn? But, so we had the first miracle, but this is considered the beginning of Jesus' ministry, right? And Mr. Action Jackson, John Mark, in writing this gospel, he's already got all this stuff, like, that he's just jam-packed into so few verses. And we find out that another event has happened, in these verses, that John was arrested, right? And and we know from the other accounts of the, the Gospels that John was arrested for being a fearless preacher, for being fearless in the message that he was proclaiming. He knew who he was, and more importantly, he knew who Jesus is. He knew where eternity was going to be spent for him. And based off of the other accounts of the of the gospels, uh, uh, you know, we know that John's head was eventually served on a platter and he was killed for his boldness. And so we have something here. We have an end to something. We have the end to John's ministry. and, And Jesus steps in and says, The time is now. We have the end of John's ministry. And Jesus says, here we go. It's time. Like, I'm ready. We're starting this. And we get a new ministry of the sacrificial servant. Jesus is here, right? We've, we've had the wedding at Cana. Stephen, give me an amen. <laughs> we've had the wedding at Cana where Jesus turned the, the water into wine. We've had the one preparing the way in John the Baptist coming and proclaiming a message of, and, and a bat, performing a baptism of repentance and forgiveness. And I put the, after this, we get the baptism of awesomeness. <laughs> Jesus coming in, being baptized, heaven's being torn open. I made the joke a while, you know, last time I, shared, I preached on that. Like, how would it be to be that guy after Jesus got baptized? Like, oh, man. <laughs> so we have the baptism of awesomeness I lost my place now the temptation of Jesus and then we get the end of an era of John the Baptist he's done he's done what he's called to do the way has been prepared he was out there proclaiming the word just like he said you know, just like scripture said he would and now Jesus is here it's time his ministry has begun and the way he he begins his ministry with what he proclaims in these few verses it's 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 so contrary to like what goes into planting a church like you guys if you're familiar with the term church plant like church plant is when you go and start a new church they call it church planting so we when we set out to to plant, well, City View Church back then, and then we merged into Gospel Community Church. But here's what happened in a church plant, you know, when, or when you want to plant the church. Here, here's what happened here at Gospel Community Church. So in 2012, Jess and I were uh, serving at Price Chapel. I was doing <clears throat> youth worship worship ministry. Uh, I was leading that. Paige, you were like 13 at the time. <laughs> uh, and uh, I was on the worship team for, you know, regular service. And Jesse, we sat down in a youth group meeting. I remember you being there, too. And Jesse told us that he was leaving Price Chapel and he was planting a church. And I remember like, oh, man, what does this mean? Like, we just got plugged in. Things are going great here. And he turns to me and says, and I want you to come be my worship leader. And I was like, I did, you know, the, the Christian thing to do. I was like, I'll pray about it you know? And uh, so we we, <laughs> we get we get out of there, and I tell Jess the news, and she's like, uh, I tell her, Jesse wants, Jesse and Danielle, they're going to leave. They're going to plant a church, and he asked me to be the worship leader, and she's like, did you say yes? I'm like, oh, no. I said I'd pray about it. She's like, yeah, we're, like, that's that's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> what? <laughs> Is that how it went? Yeah. I'm like, am I telling it wrong? But that, so yeah. So Jesse was going to be stepping away from Price Chapel and his role there as an like, interim pastor and youth pastor, and he was going to be leading this church plant. And he spent time in prayer, and he did preparation. And when we left Price Chapel to embark on this church planting journey and begin a ministry, um, we left with Jesse and Danielle, with Dave and Deb, with Liz and Zach, and Tony and Crystal, and then there were a few stragglers in there. And if you don't know all those people, that was the Kobe's and us. That was the, that was the, I have in my notes no, the Dave Kobe clan. So we, got, we, we, we left with the Kobe's. And uh, we met in Dave and Deb's house at Sunday mornings at 8.30 for breakfast and the word. If you guys have been paying attention... Dave and Debbie still lead Sunday mornings, 8.30 for breakfast and the word. Yeah. Hey, Yes, amen. That's awesome. Thank you guys, by the way. It's been 10, almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years this year. Holy cow. You've been feeding a lot of people for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, oh, good. We like you too. And, and when we left, uh, I was Jesse's like number two guy in this church plant. And after a couple months, we made plans, and we had a public gathering on a Sunday night here in this building. It was Oasis Community Church, and we were City View Church. And we had people show up because we left with a team. We knew that it wasn't going to be a complete bust, and people invited friends and family, and, and there were a few of us gathered in this room. so we knew it wasn't going to be a, a complete bust and, and i'm telling you the story because in our church planning network in acts 29 this is kind of the normal way how they want you to do things right they want you to leave with the team of people right and, and, and like what it's when you have the desire and feel called to lead a church plant, it's pretty normal for you to find a church, do a church planting residency for the, like two or three years, and then you're going to start building a team, you're going to raise funds, and then finally you're going to, you know, you've got a city picked out, and you and your team of people are going to head out and plant a church. Go to a new city and embark on this mission after about two to three years you're full of zeal for the Lord, and you go out and plant a church. And this is just a side note, shockingly, like most church plants will leave with 20 to 30 people in a group, and at the, by the time two years rolls around, it's the church plant leader and his family that's all left from the group. Church planting is hard, and people leave, and they miss their families, and Oftentimes, church planners are left by themselves in this brand new city after a couple of years. Um, so it's not easy. But but the point that I'm attempting to make here and trying to connect the dots with, it's that much like most of Jesus' ministry, Jesus just goes. Right? He... he I mean, he's, he's 30 years old, or 33 years Was he 33 or 30 when he started? 30, I get confused. He does things the way we think, uh, that, or he does things the way he thinks they should be done because obviously we've had this conversation, he's God. He doesn't do them how we think we should do it. And he bursts into the scene like he he does he has his miracle at the wedding at Canaan. He has this baptism of awesomeness, and then he comes in and says, The time is now. He comes in bursting into the scene like this is it. And he proclaims the gospel of God. And the good news is about God and from God, and he is the good news. Jesus begins his ministry preaching the good news, proclaiming the gospel of God. He wasn't out trying to raise funds, gathering people, making all these plans, not submitting applications to be a church planner, not sitting through these rigorous interviews of, of men cross-examining examining him to see if he's fit to go out and proclaim the gospel of God. He goes, proclaiming the gospel of God. But he's Jesus, right? He's God. This was no thing for him. Like he, he, he was. It was easy for him, right? That's that can be kind of a a thought process on it. He's God. Well, he was God. He was truly man, though, too. Here he is in the flesh the one that people have been longing for. And he brings them the message saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So, like I always say, I'm going to attempt to break this down um, and talk about these words that he says here. We're going to break down this message that Jesus brings. The time is fulfilled. The first thing he says. Throughout God's word, we get these these times. Right? These God-appointed times. And And it's him unfolding his purpose. Right throughout God's word we get these appointed times within God's unfolding purpose. God has promised Abraham and Sarah a son and Isaac was born, right? A time fulfilled. Right? And now we have Jesus being born and everything up to Jesus's life in this up to this point and he's letting them know that the time is here that is God's unfolding purpose. It's happening right now. God's great countdown in history was over and the time for Blastoff had come and his rule and reign was beginning. The kingdom of God is shown in the person and work of Jesus. What was written has now come to pass, he's saying. The appointed and predestined time described by scripture is realized here. The time is fulfilled. Well, what about that time? The kingdom of God is at hand. What 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 am I talking about? The kingdom of God. You know, the kingdom of God comes into being when kingly authority of God is acknowledged. Psalm 47, 7, and 8 says, For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. God is sovereign over all. There's going to be a coming reign. Daniel seven eighteen says, But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. And this coming has to do with the Messiah. And the Jewish people, they were waiting for a king. They were waiting for this to happen. They they wanted this to happen. They were waiting for that mighty king to come and rule and reign and overthrow the Roman government, and they would be freed again. They knew that there was going to be a coming king. And when Jesus comes and he starts proclaiming this message, I'm sure there were hearers of this that knew what was happening that understood this message. They understood the kingdom of God. And when Jesus preaches, the kingdom of God is central to his message. Time and time again as you read through the Gospels, Jesus speaks of the kingdom of God. He he instructs us as disciples to preach the kingdom of God. And at that time when Jesus is there saying, not those words, the other words. Those well, yeah, good enough. At the time Jesus is preaching, when he's saying these words, saying the kingdom of God is at hand, it is present right now in me, he's saying. The kingdom of God has been inaugurated in the life of Jesus. It has been inaugurated in the death of Jesus. It has been inaugurated in the resurrection of Jesus. It will be fully consummated in the future, in the already but not yet. Our king of kings, as we sang earlier, is alive. And we have been... In- confronted with the kingdom of God, right? In the person of Jesus, we've just been hit head on with the kingdom of God. He is alive. Jesus is our king. And what is our response to this? Any guesses? response repent right the very next word repent this message brought by him and in him and through him has the power to bring forgiveness redemption and reconciliation and when we think about the grace given through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. That it's something that we can't earn, we haven't earned, and we will not earn. That grace is a gift. And our response to that kingdom of God with repentance seems like a rational and reasonable response. To turn away... To see our sin and turn away from it, turn to Jesus and say, I'm sorry, forgive me. And with repentance, it's not simply just saying, I'm sorry, but it's turning away and going a different direction. The Jesus of the Bible has that power to do that. when we meet him and, and have a relationship with him. And and maybe you're thinking, well, I've met that Jesus of the Bible. And he loves me and he forgives me. I can keep doing what I'm doing. It's okay. That's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what repentance is. And, and when when... I stand up here and tell you about who Jesus is and when Pastor Tony tells you about who Jesus is or when Pastor Chris tells you about who Jesus is or when Jen Carter gets up here and leads communion or when anybody else tells you about who Jesus is, you can take their word for it or you can do the work yourself and go here for it and find out who Jesus is. Read his words. Spend time with him. Because the Jesus of the Bible... Will change you. Amen. Amen. And so we're talking about repentance. John the Baptist taught it, Jesus taught it. After his death, the apostles taught it, and today we teach it. Repent. It is a heart and soul response to the gospel of our King. I know what I needed to be saved from. Myself. <laughs> That's too out of an amen. Oh, you guys are talking about yourselves, not me. <laughs> uh, and then we get the next part, and believe in the gospel. When when you think about how this is. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repentance and belief complement each other so well. Repentance is turning from our sin. And belief highlights who we turn to. Right? We turn from our sin. We turn to Jesus. And I hate to break it to you guys, but this isn't just a one-time thing of having to repent. Right? We live in a state of repentance and belief. We are made perfect in Christ. It's not him commanding us to be perfect. He's saying and commanding here, repent and believe. A life of repentance and belief is a radically transformed life. Attachment to a previous way of life must be released to allow for participation in the new kingdom and its benefits. Jesus would secure the means necessary for entrance into the forgiveness, life, and power of God's presence and rule so here we are called to repent and believe and also in that in the with with the continuity of things we as followers of Jesus by the holy spirit can share in that boldness and courage that john the baptist had in proclaiming repent we can follow in that That continuity that John prepared the way preaching it. Jesus preached it. The apostles built the church preaching it. And today we preach it. And to preach the gospel, the the kingdom of God, to preach it to others. You got to be comfortable preaching it to yourself. And preaching it to yourself will result in you seeing yourself probably a bigger sinner than you thought. But but my hope and prayer is that in that you see Jesus as a much greater Savior than you ever imagined. You take a look at your sin and you own it. And we talked about this when we preached through Jonah, that the the book of Jonah can be like looking in a mirror of, of, of what Jonah did. And you examine yourself in the mirror that is God's word. And pray for God to reveal these things to you. Pray for his protection that you won't be deceived by the lure of sin and push for the why. Ask the Lord, expose the idols of your heart. These idols disappoint. They're weak. They can't deliver. And they always raise the bar. And when I pursue these idols, I'm saying to God, Jesus isn't enough. I also need fill in the blank. I also need my kids. You know, Jesus isn't enough. I also need, uh, since there's children, physical intimacy. (laughs) Jesus isn't enough. I also need me time. And trying harder to fill in that gap when we say that Jesus isn't enough, it just won't cut it. And it comes down to it, I need Jesus. I see repentance is a gift, right? When we preach the gospel to ourselves, that God has shown me my sin, exposed my idols, shown me that I need a Savior, leads me to repentance. And I pray for that gift of repentance. I cannot try to stop sinning, but I can petition the Lord and pray and cry out to him for a change of heart. And I'll tell you what, I am a glutton. (laughs) When I get something that I enjoy, I want more. You know, the thing that came to mind most recently, I was gone for a week with my wife. We spent a week in Vegas. It was nice. I'm like, let's have another week together. Forget the kids. You know? I you know, I have a really good meal and I'm like, ah I'm just gonna stuff myself till I'm uncomfortable and pass out on the couch like a slob. Right? I'm a glut Yeah, we're like a koala. I get something I enjoy and I just want more and more and more and, and it's been probably within the last maybe only year that the Lord is revealing to me what a glutton I am and i continue to pursue him for that change of heart because i know i can't do it on my own when i try and do it on my own i fall flat on my face i'm glutton for punishment <laughs> but little by little and bit by bit i continue to pursue the lord when i you know when those things are happening like i need to submit those thoughts to the lord I need to be on guard, but I know that I can't do it on my own. I get distracted and forget who my Savior is, who the Christ is, who the Messiah is, the one that does the saving. So let's see Jesus as the one true Messiah. When you read the gospel, see how he lived for you. See his obedience to being the spotless lamb. See how he loves. And when you read the gospel, see how he also died for you, that your sin put him on that cross. My gluttony put him on that cross. Thank God he's been punished once for all. And as followers of Jesus, we are now clothed in his righteousness. Thank God for how he provides for us in Christ ways that our idols never Ever will. Thank God that He does not leave us and He never will, and we have the same spirit that Jesus had dwelling inside of us. Thank you. And in preaching the gospel, to to tie it all together, we embrace the gospel as motivation for life. The King has come. Repent, and repent, and repent, and repent. Believe. Walk away from your idols. Follow Him. And over the next few weeks, going through the book of Mark, I'm going to encourage you guys to come back. Because we're going to take a look at what that looks like through the gospel of Mark. To follow him. And we're going to see that, yeah, the demands of following Jesus are great. But don't we have a great king that's worth following? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your grace. God, I thank you as as we... Get ready to, to sing and just praise your name more, God, that those things that we talked about, God, would, would just be in mind, God. We'd preach the gospel to ourselves to get in the habit of being able to share your word, God, that we'd be comfortable in knowing how to share your word. It's only by your power and the Holy Spirit, God, that we can go out and boldly and bravely proclaim the kingdom of God. That it's it's only with your spirit that we can let people know who Jesus is and, and repent. Tell them repent and believe, and we can share our stories. Here's here's how I'm a sinner. Here's why I need a savior. And then you would soften the hearts, God. I know me, God, I have somebody in mind when I pray these things, God, that you would soften their heart and that you would bring those people to the forefront of everybody's minds of, that just needs a softened heart towards your gospel and that you would give us opportunity, grace, and courage to go and share in your word to say that we have a great king. I thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself to me, for saving me. Pray continually just for a change of heart. I say these things in Jesus' name. Amen.